Carla Singson is an entrepreneur who runs three businesses, a flower shop and PR company based in the Philippines, as well as a recruitment company that provides full managed outsourcing so you can scale your business fast and easy. In this episode, you'll discover how she grew her business without spending a dime on ads. Carla also shares her journey of overcoming self-limiting beliefs, how to manage your time as a business owner, the secrets to motivating remote teams, the importance of focusing on customer experience, and what to do to craft winning growth strategies. When I decided to start traveling, it was more kind of, I just wanted to see what was out there. Uh, when you grow up in a developing country, you it's just, it's, it's very different. And then you see these places on TV, you know, that's your first exposure, right? And then you have kind of an idea what these places are. And it's just so nice. It's so abundant. Every, you know, all the toilets work. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, um, and the people are tall and light-skinned and like, and that was like our standard of beauty in Southeast Asia, right? Like sharp nose, fair skin, tall and uh, fair, fair skin and tall. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder what it would be like to go to a place like that. And so the first country I went to was Australia. And then I was just so, um, I don't know, like I was just so seduced by like these tall buildings, by this technology. And Sydney was also a very international, uh, you know, it's a very international city. You, you meet people that look very different all around the world, speak different languages. And so it was great. And I, I just got hooked. I started traveling. There were... Uh, Two years, I think I did a country per month. Uh, I would travel, I would see a new country every month. Uh, and then eventually I decided I need a business that um, that's online. Because <laughs> I had traditional business. I still have my traditional businesses in the Philippines. Okay, cool. What kind of businesses work well out in the Philippines? I know there's a lot of like outsourced work that happens there. But I'm wondering if you had like a bricks and mortar business or just what kind of businesses you had out there. Yeah, I, ha I have two brick and mortar businesses. My oldest business, uh, it's been around for 14 years. It's a flower shop. Um, so we have like all the works, the window display, the, the you know, the flowers, the teddy bear, the six foot teddy bears are bestseller, the balloons and uh, the chocolates, all of that. And we also have a corporate events and training company. Uh, before the pandemic, we did corporate events like launches, brand activations, festivals, and PR, press conferences and things like that. Um, after the pandemic, because these events stopped, we focused on government contracts for training. So that's what we do now in those two traditional businesses. Um, and then I started an outsourcing company, which is what I'm really focused on growing right now. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk about the outsourcing company, but I, I have to ask yeah. about the, the florist <laughs> that you have, the flower shop. What was it like starting that? Because, you know, that is not a business that most people kind of just start and then go, right, that's set up and then I would start another business. Normally people start that as like a, a passion project right, type thing. Right, right. No, I, I agree with you. And, and there's actually a funny story behind that. So when I graduated college, it was hard for me to get a job uh, because I graduated at 19 and I was kind of a, a wild child. You know, I was always drunk and um, I didn't come to work on time and... Uh, I think I was intellectually arrogant and, uh, and I was 19, uh, which was, I was still a teenager. I was a child. 
And I failed um, the exams at the big, these big companies, Unilever, Coca-Cola, P&G, broke my heart. And so I sat with myself and I'm like, well, I got rejected so many times now. I need to just start a business that is easy to start. And I don't have any other skills. I was a fresh graduate. I don't even have any flower arrangement skills, but I sat with myself and I asked myself, what is a thing that people pay a lot of money for, even though they know it's actually very cheap, but we've just kind of accepted that this item is overpriced and we'll pay for it. And I thought, well, flowers, because if you buy a bunch of flowers at the supermarket at Walmart or something, it's it's $15, a dozen roses, $15, $18. But if you want these dozen roses delivered to your wife, it's $48. And somehow we just accepted this. And so I figured that out. And this was in 2008, 2009, where social media doesn't exist. So what I did is I catfished my clients and I pretended to be a man. And I went into these male dominated forums of like sports, cars, whatever. And um, uh, these forums would have a general chat and I would post there my flowers. And I would say, hey, if you guys want to buy flowers for your girlfriend, I do same day delivery, pay me through Western Union. It was it was such a very um, gorilla way to start a business. And then I just started treating it like a real business. Yeah. And so I'm wondering from there, you kind of scaled up <laughs> or, you know, had some regular kind of business coming in and decided like, right, okay, this is set up. I can go away and, you know, start something else now, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, um, the flower shop business was a great um business for recurring income because a married man will celebrate an anniversary every year, her wife's birthday. And if he did something bad, that's the big budget. The, the I'm sorry gifts. <laughs> that's always the biggest budget. <laughs> um, yeah. So if we get an order at the flower shop and we would ask the client, what's your budget, sir? And he would say uh, $300. And we, we would all be laughing in the office and we'll be like, oh, this guy fucked up. Uh, <laughs> but if it's like, oh, my budget's $50. Oh, this is the 10th anniversary. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So the first way for me to kind of diversify was after a few years of doing this flower shop business, I got an inquiry to do a wedding. And at this time, obviously, I've learned the things. I know how to arrange flowers now. And, and I know the science of doing arrangements now. I started doing weddings. And then I started to get an offer to do wedding planning. And because I was a public speaker, I also did MC. I also emceed weddings on the side. So I went into the wedding circuit. Uh, and then after a few weddings, um, I, didn't, I realized I didn't like doing weddings. And so we shifted the event planning company into corporate events. That's how basically it started. Yeah, I mean, weddings are such a stressful thing. Oh, People put their, their absolute hopes and dreams all on this one day. And it's like, <laughs> basically, you're starting your whole life together. No need to make a, a, a massive stressful thing out of it. But I'm really, really glad that you said, you know, I'm not enjoying this. I'm not going to persevere with it okay, I've got something here. I've got a core of a business here. What can that kind of be molded into? And you kind of, you know, you pivoted. And apparently that's a word that I don't remember who said it, but someone on the podcast said pivoting is a band word. Mm. I'm just using it for now because I like the word pivot. Right. But yeah, you pivoted into a business that, you know, worked for you. And so talk me through the process of going, you know, okay, 
got one successful business. At least I'm not going to starve. I'm not going to go broke right. just yet. That's okay. Yeah. How did you go about growing this other business? Did you take on funding or was it all kind of self-funded bootstrap from the ground up? It was actually just self-funded bootstrapped. Um, and funnily, be- the way that we got into corporate events, and this is really the secret if you want to do big brands, you only really need one. And when you get that one, no matter how small the project is, the others will come. And so this was very memorable to me. Literally, the person that referred me this big project is a person that I was drinking with. I was at this bar um, and I was drinking with this person. I didn't know that this person is an executive of Sony. And one day we were drinking and she was like, oh my God, I had such a long day. My event planner pulled out. And I have this big opening and, uh, you know, I'm, and then I said, well, I can do it. And she was like, okay, cool. Just send me a proposal, you know, whatever. Um, my back is against the wall, so I'll approve it and let's make it happen. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew I would listen and I would follow instructions and I would do whatever it takes to do the thing that needs to be done. And, um, and so we did it. It was so funny. My quote was $700. And I made $100 uh, working long hours, like a whole weekend. But I, was, I didn't know what I was doing. My price was wrong. She was shocked when she saw the price. She was like, is this real? Approved. And then, you know, obviously she was like, this Should is Should have been cheap. like 10 times yeah, that, surely. exactly. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this approved because this is so cheap. And she even asked me, does this include your fee? And I'm like, yeah, that's the whole thing. So, um, but after I got Sony, Bosch came on, BMW came on these airline companies came on big nonprofits came on and then it just it was just avalanche from there so you know if you if you want to do b2b if you want to get a big brand um you really only need to do one and that is like your investment you you don't even need to make a lot of money from it just for the name yeah that's definitely true and that's something that you see time and time again one person says yes everyone else comes flying through the door and all of a sudden you can kind of figure out the right pricing because that first person went oh that's really cheap okay (laughs) let's double it oh that's really cheap okay let's double it again and until you get to the point where someone goes oh i don't know i need to speak to my manager then you know you're in that sweet spot or you're just up against someone who's trying to bargain you down type thing which is you know not ideal but yeah so you've got these two businesses and now you have a third business. And, you know, it's not very often on here that I get somebody who's running three businesses at once, but three businesses that also are working well, but also are fully, you know, remote technically, because you're here in Mexico right now. And like you said, those two businesses are out in the Philippines, brick and mortar type businesses. But at the moment, you've got your business proximity. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So uh, like I shared earlier, you know, being able to travel, Uh, and meeting other people and really enriching your life with different, you know, cultures, history, food. Like we all know how fun and enriching travel is. And uh, that just really inspired me. So I started to think about what business I could build anywhere in the world. And um, I would in 2017, I started going to international conferences to learn about business, to learn about marketing. And, um, I met these people in the online marketing world. And when they would learn that I was Filipina and I grew up in the Philippines, not like, you know, I didn't, I'm not like a Filipina by ethnicity, but grew up in the States. I actually grew up in the Philippines. They would ask me, are you a VA or do you know a VA? 
and a virtual assistant. And I'm like, no, but I can help you. And so I started recruiting for other people. So it was it started as a recruitment company. And because I'm not a recruiter by profession, I just kind of did the simple way of going to my university, picking like the top people, getting referrals, and, and then just doing my best, really, just doing my best in this hiring process until, um, you know, I got one happy client after another and they started spreading the word. And then, of course, I wanted to have something more stable. And so instead of doing just recruitment, we also started offering full managed outsourcing. Um, In 2020, I got the privilege of taking a mid six-figure investment from from an investor and that really helped me, you know, hire the best people, grow and learn a lot of things and, you know, how to do business um, in outsourcing, basically as, as the higher, higher level people um, play the game, basically. Yeah. And so talk to me about the benefits of outsourcing, because I know a few people that have completely outsourced businesses and, you know, those businesses are creative agencies, Mm. other businesses are property companies, other ones are tech companies. But yeah, talk to me about the the pros and cons of outsourcing and, you know, what businesses can benefit from this type of stuff. Right. Yeah, that's good. So um, the I would say the biggest benefit of outsourcing is that the founder turns their business into something that serves them. So the difference between, and and you can do that with a business that's not outsourced, right? Like you can do that with your own employees, you know, if you want to hire in-house. But the the good thing about outsourcing is obviously there's a a currency advantage if you live in, you know, countries like USA, Canada, UK. Um, If you hire from places like the Philippines, India, Pakistan, Mexico, you have a, a dollar advantage or like a currency advantage of uh, being able to to uh, have more inexpensive labor with the same level of skills. And, and a lot of people, especially in the Philippines, speak really good English. And a lot of them are also used to working at night or working a U.S. time zone because there's a big culture of business process outsourcing companies in the Philippines. So um, because you can outsource for... Uh, for less, basically, you can spend that money in marketing, in growth, in other, you know, maybe advertising. And the other thing for that is if you outsource certain responsibilities, the this team owns that responsibility. Whereas if you hire in-house, um, sometimes it still falls onto the top management to do all of these responsibilities. So obviously it depends on how you, uh, you know, address or arrange your system, uh, but that is definitely a benefit of a fully outsourced team. They can be anywhere in the world. You can also be anywhere in the world. So the, that flexibility, offering that flexibility is just good for everyone. You know, Just like how you guys saw during the pandemic when these companies said, oh, everyone can work remotely, You know, just like Amazon, and then now they're, they're clawing back and they're like, well, everyone return to office. We want you to return to office or you're going to lose your job. So that really wasn't a very nice conversation to have. And um, But now if you can outsource, you can work remotely. And it also gives you a wider, you, you can cast a wider net in terms of talent, culture fit, and basically these people's goals, where they're going. So now you can hire from anywhere in the world instead of being limited to your location. 
Um, I'm not going to lie, and there are some cons of outsourcing. However, these cons can be addressed uh, easily. So for one example is culture, right? So it might be a little tasking for a founder to learn the culture of, uh, you know, people coming from a completely different place. Um, obviously, a good onboarding process can fix that. Um, if someone tries to DIY outsourcing, if they don't have the right guidance, they could end up hiring from locations with not uh, that don't have stable electricity or Internet or is ridden by calamity. So that's also something that, you know, a business owner might just not think about the first time they outsource. But going with a managed outsourcing company like ours or any other company really helps you make these decisions uh, better. Um, of course, uh, 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 another con, which is, um, of course, very rare, but I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't happen, is that sometimes when you outsource, there's uh, there's less liability for them or, or for, yeah, for them. So, for example, if you end up outsourcing and you end up hiring a, a freelancer instead of someone dedicated to your company, Sometimes they could just leave you for higher pay or they would just leave and not care. And so the way to fix that is, of course, um, have a contract and have, uh, you know, probably don't, you know, make them earn, make them earn their PTOs and their cash advances and uh, talk to them, communicating with them what their goals are. And if it's a really good culture fit for both of you, and if it's not, just don't hire because you need someone. So I would say those are kind of the pros and cons, but to be honest, all of the cons can be avoided with the proper guidance. Um, even if you do your own research or you talk to someone, get advice for someone from someone who has done it before. Mm. And what I picked up in that kind of statement is that having a remote team is a way to grow your business. But in addition to that, you also have other parts mm -hmm. of your business that are tailored towards growing a business so i'm wondering what else apart from having a remote team is a key component for growing your business oh that's a good question uh, and this is something i'm really passionate about because i've this is what i practice in all of my businesses brick and mortar or online but customer experience is really a great kind of pillar of of, of business growth uh in my in the first time i grew an outsourcing company, the one where I had it, the investment, we grew our business from zero to seven figures in a year without spending anything on ads. And it was just head down work, focus on customer experience. And then when the time is right, ask for a referral or make them so happy. They tell all their friends about you, you know, so that was the key. I didn't obsess over cost per acquisition rates. I didn't obsess over media buying. I didn't obsess about PR. I didn't need to go out and go speak on stages, go on podcasts, or I didn't pressure myself doing that. Um, we just focused on customer experience. And so it's the same thing with, you know, with the flower shop, of course, if there's a dozen roses, each rose has to look good. Uh, we've, we've, we've honestly had experiences where we buy from our suppliers and if they deliver, say, 100 roses, some of them will not be as pretty, right? And so it's not really good service. Um, everything has to look really good. And right now there's social media. People, you know, ladies, these ladies share their teddy bears and their pictures of their roses online. And so it's much more crucial for our flowers now to look good. Um, 
Yeah, so I would say a huge component of customer growth, of of business growth, is customer experience. And I would say as a secondary one, it's just pay attention to how much confidence the public gives you. So you can address it as PR, you can address it as marketing, you can address it as social media. It depends where you invest your time. But if your customers have a good experience and someone wants to refer you, when that person looks you up, they should feel confidence in your brand and in your service. So everything plays out. You know, you have to have a good website, good social media presence if you use it. Um, if you're emailing, good emails, just just look good. Yeah. And, and this is something that your kind of remote teams can assist along with the process, whether that's, you know, writing emails or replying to emails or just making sure that people are getting that top tier customer experience, whatever part of the business they're, they're entering from. Absolutely. In fact, our top three best sellers are number one is client success managers. Number two are project managers. Number three are social media managers. So those are actually our best sellers. Those are the top three roles that help a business grow in terms of like our clientele, which is online businesses or fast growth companies that have a lot of online operations. We also have clients that are brick and mortar uh, businesses like home remodeling, uh, but they would always have an online wing because that's how they get their inquiries, their updates and all that. So we also help serve them. Cool. So with the kind of, say, social media side of things, mm. are you training these people in a specific way of operating or is it always bespoke to each business? Right. So um, the thing to know about hiring an outsourcing company is outsourcing is very different from consulting. And so when we onboard a social media manager, we have to see that you have a strategy and that you have a repeatable process, you have templates, you have the systems. Otherwise, we won't be able to help you because, or we will refer you to a consultant, you know? And then when your strategy is ready, when your content plan is ready, we can start working together. I can plug in a writer, I can plug in a designer or a TikTok video editor or an AI empowered team. We can build the team around your strategy, but it has to come from you. And so the secret really to successful outsourcing is to perfect your systems in advance um, and your templates and your SLPs, your if-then processes, and, uh, and then you pass it off to the outsourced remote professional. Now, question, what if I don't have all of that ready or maybe I ha I'm halfway through, can you help me? Um, I can't, my team can't help you specifically in the consulting part, but if you wanna hire someone in order to test things out, I would say that is going to be of value because it's not, you don't have to do it yourself. So you're still saving time. You're still saving headspace. They could do extra research for you since you're still figuring things out. Mm. And I mean, one thing that I'm kind of picking up here over the, you know, the little time we've been speaking here is you always seem to be one in the right place at the right time, <laughs> but also in a great mood to receive the opportunities that come your way, you know, you're like, oh, I should open a flower shop. Mm. Don't know how to do this. Right, I'm just gonna give it a go and give it my best. Okay, the wedding stuff's not working out. Meet this lady, she wants an event. Mm. Oh, cool, I'll help you. I'll do it in a, in a gracious way. And again with this, you, you know, it's like, okay, you need help with your business? I'm here to do that for you. Right. You wanted a VA? <laughs> I'm not a VA, but I'll, I'll connect you with a VA. And so I'm wondering, where did you kind of get this 
entrepreneurial mindset from? Was it from your parents or is it just something that you kind of picked up by observing? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting question. I've never really, you know, I journal, I meditate and I talk to a therapist. I've never really been described as someone like how you described. So uh, I think that's a gift that you have, Sam, um, and definitely made me think. And um, uh, I did. No, that's that's what I did. I, I'm, I'm definitely not like a business mogul or I, I'm not Steve Jobs and have amazing ideas. I just kind of went with the flow and and saw it for what it is, especially during the pandemic when opportunities were very slim. Um, yeah, I would say a lot of influence from my parents. Um, both of my parents, unfortunately, passed early. They passed. They both passed while I was still in my 20s. And my parents always wanted to start a business. My dad always talked about starting a business. He would have little hustles, but of course, the seductive pull of a stable job uh, got him. And he worked for the same company from when he was 19 to when he was like 52 or whatever. He had an early retirement and his work was very stressful. He was a salesperson, so I learned a lot from him. My mom um, didn't have a, a job per se because she got pregnant three times. Uh, I have two siblings and then, but she always was good at sales. So she took sales jobs. She would, she started by selling like appliances and, and then she moved to doing real estate. And so she was in sales, so not exactly a job, but also not exactly a business. And she also always wanted to start a business. In fact, she wanted to start a convenience store. And I remember having this conversation with her. She was, when I started to make a little bit of money, she was asking me for capital so she can finally build her dream of a convenience store. And I remember having this conversation with her and I was like, why do you want to do this business? It's so small. We can like, I was just kind of like, why don't you dream bigger? You know, like, but you know, my parents, both my parents grew up poor in a poor country and they just didn't see the world, you know, the way I did. But also because of them, because I was the eldest child and my parents always thought that I was like the, the golden child, right? In developing countries, uh, a lot of families invest in their eldest child and then the eldest child will pull, <laughs> will pay for like their sibling's college, which is what I did. And, and, then, and then like support the family. And so I think it's a combination of some of the desires that they weren't able to, to live to, to, to experience. And I kind of wanted to give that to them. And I also wanted to live it for them. And then the other side of it was just my parents believing that I could do anything, like anything. So they had such a great belief in me. They were such good parents. My dad inspired me to read books. Uh, we didn't watch TV growing up. It was always books and it was fun, you know. So uh, I think that's the, that really helped shape my mind into just having my eyes open and, and my ears open, you know, for these opportunities and finding ways to to take advantage of them. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's interesting that you kind of looked at your parents' dreams and kind of aspirations and said, well, okay, I'm going to take my actual thoughts and put them into action. And, and that's where my entrepreneurial career will start because at the end of the day, I'm not going to do well out here in the world working for other people. I'm just not feeling it type thing. And so I'm wondering now, you know, you are technically your own worst nightmare. You are the <laughs> boss 
of multiple <laughs> businesses. And I'm wondering how you go about managing your time. How do you keep an eye on all three of these businesses to make sure that, you know, one, you know, they're growing and two, they're not, you know, slowly slipping away from you. Right. Um, actually, you know, to be honest with you, like something has to give, right? Um, I have assigned my sister to lead the business, the flower shop business. So I've, I think I spend 30 minutes a month just looking at the books. And if she needs advice, I would give her um, marketing advice. Or if we are launching something, we, I would help her, but that's it. The government projects is very steady because you just go to this portal of like government projects and then you put down your bid and then they say yes or no and then you do the thing. So it's actually very repetitive and I have a team that takes care of it. I just also look at the numbers. I also spend less than 30 minutes a month on it. Um, my focus is really on my outsourcing company because I'm in fast growth mode and I recently retired my partnership to with my investor. And so it's just me and, and this is my dream. I have a dream of bringing the Filipino talent in the forefront of the world and them hiring you know, hiring people from the Philippines, not because it's cheap, but because we're just as good as people anywhere else. So uh, I'm really devoted to like that dream. I have an all Filipino team, even my my salespeople, my top sales guy is Australian, but he's a quarter Filipino, so funny. And so I, I have this pride also. I have this, you know, uh, kind of a chip on my shoulder or, or like a, a thing to prove the world. Uh, and, uh, and that's what inspires me every day. So on my day to day, I actually have a very loose day. Um, I, I go to the gym every day and then I have a lot of time for reading and, and meditation, journaling, all of that. And then I kind of pour into what is needed in my business and how I can do that. I have a really great operations team, a really great sales team. And th those are really the only two legs that you need like operations and growth, right, in your business. And I'm very privileged and happy to be able to work with them. And so I can spend time creating, innovating, thinking, making high-level connections. Um, this podcast tour is actually just an experiment. I have an experiment on Facebook that I call 30 Podcasts in 30 Days. And I would just do 30 podcast episodes in 30 days and uh, see how, I, how that made me feel. I'm going to see how that helped my business or my brand and uh, and then share the results with my following. I don't even sell this. I just, but it, you know, I, I'm it allows me to to do things like this just for my own curiosity. Yeah, and then you know, once you've tried something for yourself and if it works, then yes, you can go to your clients. And go, hey, I tried, I tried this. this. Yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You've got to come from a place of of knowledge as opposed to like I read an article and the article right. said it's like you know that no one buys that. No one buys that at all. But exactly. you, you said that you do things like meditation and journaling. I'm wondering, how did you kind of get to that side of things? Because there's a there's a big kind of movement right now mm. around productivity and self-improvement. But you strike me as someone who's been doing it for a bit before, like, it became trending like now. Yeah, no, I did. I did. And my ego is... <laughs> very happy to hear that um uh, I, I i feel like my ego just twirled a little bit you know um yeah but i've been meditating for i don't know seven years or something uh i wish i had a better story to tell but it really was my depression when my mom passed away 
Um, I, I'm a happy person. In fact, I am like the loudest person in the dining table, cracking jokes, cracking like not safe for work jokes. Like if you follow me on Facebook, you know, don't let your dad see my newsfeed. Um, <laughs> and then, and, um, but when my mom passed away, you know, she was my world. I was very depressed. I was suicidal. And I, for the first time in my life, I started to, uh, look for solutions, you know, look for help. Uh, I know that I could easily fall into drugs or alcohol. And so I was kind of putting a fence to not get there, right? I was already halfway because I was eating junk food every day. I was eating like McDonald's every day or something like that. And so I learned to, you know, I learned to put into habit going to the gym, meditating and journaling. I learned that journaling is a form of therapy and it's like self-therapy. And if you watch your thoughts and it's on paper, you get to think better and then you get to also be a better writer. So that was a bonus. Um, I read somewhere that meditation is just sitting with yourself. And if you can't do it, it means you don't like yourself. And so there's work for you to do, right? Whatever it is. Um, so maybe you have to change some of your attitudes, the way you deal with people, some of your thoughts, but meditation is really an exercise so you can sit with yourself. And if you like what you see and what you feel, then that's, that's good. Um, it also helped me become less triggered by things. Um, before, before I was very materialistic, I was, um, a little bit, uh, I was codependent. I would say I was not a good girlfriend or partner, you know, damaged or something, whatever you call it. Everyone has their trauma. Um, everyone has their baggage. But uh, when I started meditating, it helped me, you know, like process my thoughts better. And I worked at liking myself better. And I, I noticed this. So I use an app to meditate. I've been using this app for years, Headspace. And when I was starting to meditate, I would do five, uh, three minutes. I would do three minutes. And then I did five minutes and then I did 10 minutes and I, I did 20 minutes. And then I noticed that when I'm not feeling well or if I'm angry, I would not meditate. I would choose the three minute one. And it is true. It is because I don't like myself. And so I can't sit with myself. And so these, you know, and then the gym, obviously, aside from growing older, your metabolism getting slower, it was a great way for me to clear my head when the day starts and and feel good physically and have energy because I have a weird allergy, by the way, to coffee. So I haven't drank coffee for 15 years. And, um, and so I had to find another way to have energy in the morning. And so the gym was great. Yeah. I mean, gym gets your endorphins going, all that kind yeah. of good stuff, or serotonin, all that kind of stuff. And and you're right. When you do this work on yourself, you turn up to work as a better person, and mm -hmm. you know, realistically, run a, a better business, you know, a healthier business. And you said you're kind of now in charge of making sure your businesses are growing and scaling, and kind of just keeping that that balance going. So I'm wondering, where do you do your learning? Where do you kind of find your ideas? How do you get that edge and stay ahead? Um, I think it's just like a natural curiosity and, and filling my, filling my life with different experiences. My, um, new year's resolution actually this year is to meet as many people as possible and to have as many conversations as possible, ideally with me listening, <laughs> not talking <laughs> like this podcast, but that's fine. It's a podcast. But what I'm saying is like, if you and I meet at a bar and we talk, 
uh, I'm gonna be listening like 70% of the time. And uh, and I pick up different things and I just kind of enjoy it. I, I enjoy it and I, I read a lot. So reading is great, uh, meeting people, learning from them. And when you meet people, also learning about yourself. Uh, when I was single, um, you know, there's a time in your life when you would be complaining, oh my God, the dating pool is horrible. You know, uh, I can't meet a good guy or whatever. I'm just never going to go on dates. Uh, I had that feeling, but also I realized, well, each date is a different person that I can learn from and a different person that I, a, a different experience that helps me learn about myself. Right. And so I just kept going on dates. Um, and even though the date was horrible, oh my God, I had a lot of funny stories uh, from these just crazy first dates. Um, I, I definitely learned something um, every for every experience. So being open, I would say being open to learning, being open to being fascinated, uh, being curious and um and, and thinking positively, I would say, you know, of course, if you wake up in the morning thinking it's going to be a horrible day, um, you know, you, that's all your brain will see because your brain wants to be right. But if you think positively, yeah, it's going to be a great day, um, then it's most likely going to go that way. <laughs> mm, definitely. And, and you said there as well that you like to read. You read quite a lot. And we've had a fair few of our guests suggest books we had one guest who suggested a book called who moved my cheese a lot of listeners bought that and enjoyed it and uh, we've had another few listeners you know recommend the the classics like rich dad poor dad mm. or richest man in babylon or think and grow rich so i'm wondering for you do you have a book that kind of changed your life or changed your mindset to business or just your personal life as well oh absolutely so the first book i ever read is the little prince it's, uh, I think the original book was written in French, but it's translated into many languages. It's masqueraded itself as a children's book, but it's actually very deep and philosophical. I actually have the cover tattooed at my back and that's how much I love this book. When I was young, my dad told me to read this book and said to reread this book because the meaning changes depends on where you are in life. And, um, and it is one of my favorite books to recommend other people because the experience is so, I cannot tell you what to think of it. You know, I can't recommend it in such a way that, oh, do this because you're gonna think this, you're gonna feel this. Um, yeah, and it's a short book, you'll finish it in two hours. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a great adventure. It's fiction, it's a great adventure. It's written very well, it's a classic. If you guys are familiar with a quote, uh, what is essential is invisible to the eye, it's, it came from that book. And um, you are forever responsible for what you have tamed. That is also from that book. So The Little Prince. Um, business, I would say, I'm gonna go hardcore here, uh, Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blount. Um, no matter where I am in business, and I've been doing business for 14 years. Um, I, I would consider myself like a seasoned entrepreneur. I don't think I would start a business and fail at anything if I choose something and I really want to do it, right? Um, I always go back to this book. It just teaches you the right mindset to grow a company by acquiring new customers, the right mindset, the right cadence, um, and how to be obsessed and, and love the process. So 
Fanatical Prospecting is also a game changer for me. I recommend it to everyone. That's the first book my sales team reads, you know, when they <laughs> get into the job. So, yeah. Nice. The Little Prince and Fanatical Prospecting. Yeah. Two books I haven't heard of, but I definitely will buy The Little <laughs> Prince just to see what it's about. You know, yeah. you said it's a children's book, but it's actually got a deeper message. I'm all I'm all here for that. You know, there's there's definitely always deeper messages in children's literature and children's fiction because it's written by adults and they're right. trying to tell a story because adults still have to read it to their child or watch it with their child. So there has <laughs> to be something for, you know, the adults in there per se. Now, we kind of spoken about, you know, when things are going right and a little bit about, you know, maybe the cons of remote hiring and all that kind of stuff. But mm. something I want to ask you is like, you know, a more of a personal question. Mm. What was something that you learned from when things went wrong for you in either of your three businesses? And how did you bounce back from that? Right. Huh. I definitely have some of the business heartaches that a lot of people encounter, like a client not paying a 20K bill that didn't get paid, an invoice, you know, a client ghosting. Uh, and it's all related to money, right? And, and you would consider those as failures or some sort of a problem in business. Uh, and it's hard. It, it's hurtful. I cried so many times experiencing these money problems. But I would say the, the most difficult hardship that I have in business is um, if I is always linked to me sacrificing something in my integrity or with my values. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, I worked with certain people that didn't, uh, that, that, that these people didn't align with my values. For example, a person who, who was openly cheating on his wife or, uh, and lies about it. So obviously he's a cheater and a liar, right? And then, or like clients that, they would say they would say something to me that they did about marketing or acquiring clients, and then there was something shady about it, right? Like they lied about something to close a sale, and they would share it to me in such a way that they were proud about it because we were drinking, or they want to look like a I don't know like a suave guy, and and I have accepted business from these people, and even though those business relationships actually end up kind of profitable, right? I just never felt good. And I couldn't stop thinking about it, to be honest. And, and, and trust me, those situations and those business deals, are it's so hard to forgive yourself for doing them, even though they're profitable, compared to like the 20K loss that I did uh, that I, because of my stupidity. You know, I performed the project without asking for a down payment, for example, that's on me. And that hurt me financially but it didn't hurt me as much as these working with these people because I questioned myself, I questioned my own values, I questioned my own integrity, um, and um, and it just doesn't sit right. And it, you know, you you go to sleep, you think about it. If you miss a 20k invoice, the next 20k that you make will kind of cover that, and then you stop thinking about it, right? Um, but these these other experiences of not being true to your values and your integrity, they haunt you for far longer. Mm. And how do you feel that, you know, the future looks for you as an entrepreneur? What are the kind of things you've got your eye on? What are the things that are kind of scaring you a bit? Are you scared <laughs> of AI taking away your business at the moment? What, yeah. What does the future look like for you? Yeah. Well, so on AI, I, I've had the great 
um, I've had the great privilege of um, doing projects literally with uh, Dave Rogen Moser, of, uh, the owner of Jasper.ai, since two years ago. So my team has been uh, taught AI since before AI blew up, before ChatGPT blew up. So I've, I've had that privilege. I'm very grateful for that. I was in the right place at the right time. And um, all of our teammates now are AI empowered. You know, they've, they've been ahead and, and we continuously buy courses for them to improve what they learn. Um, when I started, when I realized that my business was growing and literally when I realized that I'm making more than what I need, I took it upon me to make the decision of building a business either as a cash cow and then I buy boring stuff like real estate and mutual funds or building a business for a big exit. And I looked at my businesses and I realized I love my businesses and there's an, a thing in each business that I truly love and I don't want to let go of it. And so why don't I just grow it and then buy boring stuff? So that's what I did. I bought my first real estate property when I was 22. Um, between my husband and I, we have a portfolio of over a dozen real estate properties right now. We're still continuing to invest. And of course, we have the boring stuff like stocks and, and mutual funds and, and a little bit of crypto, right? And so <laughs> I'm excited about that. I'm excited about growing my businesses and and also inspiring my team to invest. Like really, I want them to have the same kind of, um, you know, um, financial security. And um, uh, I, I'm excited about starting my family. So I'm going to get married next month, actually. And so, yeah, this wedding thing is cray cray. Um, <laughs> even though I've been a wedding planner. <laughs> um, and then hopefully next year, my husband and I are going to uh, start our own family. So I'm excited about that, too. Uh, yeah. And a lot of learning, a lot of reading and traveling. <laughs> nice. Okay, so always on a growth journey for you, mm -hmm. and as well as growing your, you know, your family and all that kind of stuff. So, I want to ask you a question that I ask every guest, but the answer is always different because it's kind of personal to you, even though Ooh. it's a general question. And that question is, what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Uh, the thing that really brings me the most joy is when a client tells me that I help their business grow. Um, because of my parents always saying that they want to start a business, but they never got around to it. And because of me starting businesses in very unconventional ways, I always love it when other people who have figured out things um, and then I get to help them. I think my Honestly, my ego is very happy hearing that you've helped me or you have the answer. You helped me grow. We've talked to all the other outsourcing companies. Yours is the best. And this is what it did to my company. It makes me happy because in a way, I'm kind of fulfilling like my parents' dream of, of growing my company and giving that gift to other people. Like literally, you know, I, I just... You know, I'm an eight, I'm an eldest child of an Asian family, and my dream is to make my parents happy. That is my dream. And so, um, when I have these experiences, I always think about my parents, and I always want them to be proud of me. And if I don't only grow my business, I also help other people do it. That's kind of a double whammy, um, you know, pride point of pride for me. So that really makes me happy. And I have, as an entrepreneur, I have. Uh, 
I have empathy, I have affinity, um, and I have, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I identify with other entrepreneurs because I know the struggles of growing a business. I know the loneliness. I know, um, you know, the, the betrayals, you know, sometimes. And, and so if I can at least help them get into the right direction, even if it's just one small step, then it makes me happy to be able to support them. And I believe in karma. So I believe that if I help other people, I'll also get help and I'm going to get um, karma points for that too. <laughs> Where can the people find you online? So if you want to follow my adventures and my not safe for work jokes, you can add me on Facebook, Carla Stefan Singson, and or follow me on Instagram, Carla Stefan. You can also visit our website if you want to ask about outsourcing, if you need some advice, if you want to DIY this, we're happy to help. If you want to just do recruitment, we're happy to help as well. Proximityoutsourcing.com. You can book a call with my team. And actually, I have a gift for all of Sam's listeners. If you mention this podcast, I will give you a $200 discount on your first month with us. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.